This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Hey, c'est condition ça qui t'est passé. Just One Night Stand. Avant toute bagaille t'est commencé. One Night Stand. Pensez que c'est ton This is One Night Stand. Presented by First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. What up, Night Nation? It's USF Hate Week. On today's show, we recap the 49-17 blowout win over UConn in the fifth edition of the Civil Conflict. And the trophy is back. We're also going to preview the Black Friday game versus our foes to the West and do our Fab Five USF Hate Week moments. Talk a little bit about some DG transfer rumors, the YouTube guy. Also, men's basketball, now 4-0. The ladies, also 3-1 now. And as always, Money Moves Picks, Moves Mailbag. Speaking of, I'm here with... Money Moo, UCF's greatest rivalry that we're not sure ever existed. The Civil Conflict game started off with a heaping helping of Johnny Richardson from nine yards out who scooted into the end zone for the first watch, first score. Congratulations to at Ditto Sniffer for the closest guess of six yards. Mikey Keene also did his best Lamar Jackson impression with his longest run of the season for another score as the Knights cruised to victory over lowly UConn. UCF 49, UConn 17. That was an awesome game. Uh, You know, obviously UConn is almost... FCS level as an opponent we clearly looked just way faster than them on both sides of the ball um and and we'll get to each side the defense played great uh the pass rush has you know been absolutely amazing the second half of the season after and I know they keep bringing this up on the broadcast like the one sack in three games and then like I don't know 25 cents or whatever but you know three interceptions two on defense but you know, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about from, you know, watching the offense. I think Mikey Mikey played well, and we spread the ball around to all the playmakers. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts uh, on this offensive performance move. Well, I thought the offense did pretty well, and I actually am going to, you know, <laughs> give praise to Gus for some of the play calls. You know, some of them, some of them I could see what he was doing didn't really work. Um but there wasn't really a whole lot of trickeration or trickery. It was just straight up, we're better than UConn, and it showed, and I like that. So I really liked him trying to get Mikey into a rhythm. I think it was one of the only games this year that he's actually tried to do that with some shorter throws, maybe rolling him out of the pocket a little bit. Not trying to do like a whole bunch of fancy stuff and a whole bunch of deep shots, like just getting him into a rhythm, continuing to move the ball down the field, and it really opened up the run game as well. But yeah, Mikey twenty one of twenty nine, you know, for two touchdowns, and then we saw that incredible run. Kind of reminded me of that Dylan Gabriel run we saw oh, yeah. from earlier this year, where he basically touched each sideline and then ran into. <laughs> ran into the end zone so that was really really awesome that, um yeah that that run was awesome and you know it was a physical run too it wasn't just like he was just being fast you know he took a couple hits along the way broke some tackles and, and got into the end zone and yeah I think it was the uh it, it was it was the same corner of the end zone same side of the field as DG so definitely uh 
A lot of parallels there. You mentioned the run game. Johnny Rockets looked – he was clearly faster than, like, anyone on UConn's defense. He looked great. 14 carries for 147 and a touchdown. And you mentioned, you know, trickeration or whatever. We did have that one trick play, the O'Keefe reverse touchdown pass to a wide-open Brandon Johnson. That was nice. But, you know, I think because of the caliber of the opponent, we didn't really need to open up the playbook that much considering how well we were just, you know, moving the ball. But, yeah, great overall performance. Yeah, we, you know, we did have that, but it was orchestrated well. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was executed to a T. I feel like some of the other, you know, trick plays we've run this year were kind of set up to fail. Like, they, you know, throwing right. the ball six yards behind the line of scrimmage when there's already, like, three defenders over there. Or the Obarski play that I know you love. Yeah. I love that play so still. It, <laughs> this one was executed flawlessly. Yeah. So Brandon Johnson was wide open. That was his 10th touchdown on the season. Puts him at number eight in the nation. Uh, UCF school record is actually 14 touchdowns. So two more games left. He could have a chance to you get never know. close to that, but maybe not. Um, and I really like the way that they use Johnny Richardson. You know, he's not someone that I think you need to hand the ball off and go straight up the gut. I really think that UConn, you know, when, when UConn gave us that look of, you know, only rushing three in an obvious pass situation, I think Johnny's best play is the draw play. Oh, you know, yeah. It, it sort of gets him in space and it kind of like, it tricks the defense into having to have a slower linebacker come up and make a play where that's just not going to happen. That's a huge mismatch. Not going to happen. Yeah, no, you're right. You got to get him in space. You know, we've been saying that all along. The Um, other thing too, that I saw on the offense was Parker Navarro getting another touchdown was actually a really good run, a second effort. Yeah. Um, He put his head down too. And and we went right into the guy and, you know, pushed him back into the end zone. He also, also came in on a, on a fourth down play, which I loved. So he's been extremely successful. Was that the big and, the big run? Uh, he had one that no. was like 35 yards that was awesome. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that one. Yeah, yeah, he did. I don't remember when in the game it was. But, yeah, it tricked the announcers. They said Keen and then corrected themselves to Parker Navarro, which leads you to the question. Oh, yeah, 32. Is he better than Joey Gatewood? Gatewood only had one. Well, his, the box score says one carry for minus seven. I don't know if that was a sack. He had a couple pass attempts too. I, I don't know. I don't know. Has he completed a pass this year? He had that like pop pass touchdown. I think. Okay. Other than that, I don't think so. Okay, he's completed two for seventeen and a touchdown. And what? Okay, the pop pass was thirteen. <laughs> So yeah. he's one of six or four yards, but okay. they continue to let him throw. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe just a, a season-long setup for some play. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? We won. Mark Anthony Richards, he had a beast mode-looking touchdown. Only had 31 yards on 10 carries, but the touchdown was nice. And you mentioned this last week. He's kind of the the next big bruising back. I think you said uh, he reminded you of – Bentavious Thompson. Yeah, I think we saw a little bit of that on the touchdown run. 
Let's talk about the defense, though. That Hodges pick was nasty. Yeah, that was awesome. Also, not to be outdone by the Cam Good interception. <laughs> Rumbling, bumbling, stumbling. And Big Cat had a pressure on the quarterback that forced that kind of errant throw as the guy was like, quarterback was falling backwards and just slung it. Great catch by Cam Good, a nice little run back. And uh, yeah, you know, three picks overall, five sacks. D got after him. And uh, just great overall game, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, another impressive performance by John Powell, who was actually spotlighted in one of the ESPN documentary series episodes, Our Time. Pretty cool guy, very intelligent. Sort of like a a backup, but before being elevated to a starter now uh, with the injury to Bryson Armstrong. So it was good to see him getting some playing time um, and really stepping up. And as far as the overall defense, I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with, I'm going to say, the play calling on with T. Will. We saw T. Will last week, uh, the SMU game, send a lot of pressure, try to, you know, get SMU quarterback Tanner Mordecai off his game. Dude was just way, getting rid of the ball way too fast. And, um, uh, couldn't adjust in time, but I love the aggressiveness. And here's where I know you say like, oh, if a play call works, then I'm going to like it. And if it doesn't, I'm not going to like it. Well, that's not true because I liked the way that we still put pressure on SMU. Didn't really work. So that's fair. Instead of T. Will trying to, you know, come up with some brand new scheme or anything, they knew that Krajewski, even though he's, I think he's a junior, the UConn quarterback, on a sophomore, but um, he played in the game last year. And so he's, he's a little bit more of an experienced quarterback, but T will stuck to his guns. And I love bringing blitzes on younger, you know, a little bit younger quarterbacks too. Yeah. Bring seem to work, bring the heat. Don't let him get comfortable back there. And then, you know, even when you don't blitz, if you're blitzing a lot, they're kind of like looking over their shoulder, you know, and forced to make quicker decisions and can't go through their progressions and everything. So I agree with you. I like what we're doing. All right, let's talk about some other things. So Thursday on the Barstool Pick'em show, Big Cat announced that the Civil Conflict Trophy had been located, and then Portnoy said that he would pay UCF seven figures for it and then also mentioned something about a basketball court naming rights deal or something like that. And then UCF, I think it was Friday night or Saturday morning, tweeted out the video of the trophy. I don't know, pretty cool that it's been resurrected. It's funny because, you know, you mentioned it earlier, it wasn't even a rivalry. And then it was so dumb that it like became its own meme and taken on a life of its own. And (laughs) it's just, it's just so classic like UCF, but we're getting tons of PR. I mean, no one would have been talking about this game outside of night nation or, you know, UConn if it wasn't for that. And instead everyone was talking about it, even if it's in a joking way, it's still cool that we're getting attention from this made up rivalry, which I, I had to go back and look because I couldn't remember. So the way it started was UConn beat us, I think it was 13, no, it was 12. 
And then after the game, their coach, Bob Diaco, he like kind of hinted at it being a rivalry. And then I think George was like, no, you can't just like make up rivalries. And then the next year he just made a trophy and they beat us. You know, obviously then when we won it with Scott Frost, we left it on the sidelines and then the rest is history. So pretty funny overall. Um, another thing too, Donald DeLaHaye was at the game. He was at the homecoming game. Uh, Who is he, by the way? He was in competition to be the starting kicker with Matty Wright, lost it, ended up being our kickoff specialist, and then he was making YouTube videos. He had like 15,000 followers, and you know we have a compliance office making sure that you know everything's kosher and we don't get in trouble with the NCAA. And he was told that he couldn't wear UCF gear or anything in his videos, but everything else was fine. He ended up making a big fiasco out of it. Quitting the team, it made national news. He immediately hit 100K subscribers after that, which at the time, I was like, dude, I'm all for this, man. It's a great PR stunt. He knew what he was doing. He didn't have a future in football anyway. Good for him. But then he did two things that kind of pissed off our fan base. One, he made a GoFundMe for his tuition and obviously never came back to school. Not a huge deal, but I don't know, a bunch of people donated money for something that didn't even happen. And then two, this is where... I got pissed off is when he sued UCF for taking his scholarship away, which we had no choice. It would have been an NCAA violation if we didn't. Uh, so that's kind of how he left on terms with UCF, and he hadn't really been back until homecoming. Did which, he win? What was the outcome of the lawsuit? He ended up settling, so we gave him a bunch of money. I don't know if sideline passes were a part of that settlement, but I mean, you know, it was a long time ago, so I don't. I mean, I don't like him. I don't care that much. But here's the thing. He left us on bad terms and has not acknowledged or thanked us or anything for the opportunity or even, you know, done anything to kind of make amends. And then he just shows up acting like he owns the place, going on the sidelines, which, look, I get. I mean, he's, you know, giving us some exposure to his followers and recruits like him, whatever. Just make amends first and I'll be okay with you. You know, I don't like to hold grudges, but Apparently he was in the uh, the club level and <laughs> ran into Carson Ingle, and I guess they got in some kind of verbal altercation, and De La Haye was actually kicked out, but then they put him on the field. So anyway, it, not a huge deal, but I just wish he would be like, hey, like, sorry for suing you guys, but I guess maybe you can't do that if you settle in a lawsuit. I don't know. Whatever. So I guess the question is, like, what do UCF fans think? of him do we want him to be part of our he never actually graduated so he's not really an alumni do should we think of him as in like good standing with the university i guess i would say yeah as long if he was just like hey like sorry for suing you guys i, I don't know but <laughs> he's you, sorry for suing you but i don't know about I, that. I posted some stuff on twitter and i got more negative responses from people than positive so I might be in the wrong in this honestly it doesn't really matter uh but people's biggest thing was you know he has almost four million subscribers everyone watches his videos he's giving us good exposure I'm like okay cool so we should just like bend over because he's famous I don't know but no what well my opinion of the whole thing is is look okay do I think it's wrong that we took away his scholarship? Yeah, I actually do think it's wrong. 
We had no choice. I, I don't think we had no right, choice. Right. No, I I know that. You're saying in principle. You're saying like in principle. It. Yeah, the principle of it is it was stupid. Should he be able to make stupid YouTube videos and whatever, make money off his name? Sure. Obviously, now that's completely legal and everyone does it. But at the time, it wasn't legal. So, you know, it, to me, it's just like a if it's a rule, you must follow. Exactly. And he didn't follow. So and he didn't say, I just want an apology. I sound like a wuss right now. I don't know. I don't like. When you leave on bad terms and just come back at and act like everything's okay, I don't know. That just irks me, but maybe I sound like a boomer. Yeah, if he would have said something like, hey, Night Nation, I'm coming back, blah, 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 and then all the comments are super negative, and then he still showed up. Yeah, it is pretty weird, especially to the UConn game of all, of all games. Like, why? Why does he want to be part of any of this other than – just more publicity he's just to try- get more followers. He's just trying to make content, which, again, can't hate on, on him for that. But I guess I just want some kind of acknowledgement in exchange. I don't know. Here's the thing, too, is like almost all the admin from that time, I mean, all the coaching staff from that time are gone. None of the players are really still here. And, you know, yeah, this so guy, why was he here? Well, this guy's popular among like our player demographic and younger football players. So, it's tough. I I don't know. It's tough. He's kind of pandering, but whatever. Look, I, I don't want to keep talking about this. We got way more important stuff to talk about. Um, One other thing, too. I think we touched on it last week about DG practicing and then Mark Daniels putting out the article, which was then deleted, saying he wouldn't be back, which is weird to just delete an article and not say anything about it, but whatever. Um, One thing to note, though, is that Gus said DG was sick today, and it sounded like he's probably not going to play in the USF game. I don't know if he was had a chance to anyway, but that's just kind of the, the word that's out. Let's talk about what hypothetically if he transferred. Uh, I mean, hypothetically with DG, you know, Florida just fired their head coach, Dan Mullen. Um, Manny Diaz is basically – a goner they just are waiting for the last game i guess so it'd be interesting to see with especially in florida with all the recruits you know anytime a coach leaves a lot of a lot of transfers come in and out so it'd be interesting to see if gus is like on the uh on the gainesville city limits there just wait just waiting for any of the gator recruits or if t wills down in miami at you know yeah because i know hopefully we can flip a couple he basically was the he was the defensive coordinator for miami for like two days or something all right hey longer than us (laughs) no but you you mentioned you hit a good point with the transfers and we got to remember now this is the first kind of free agency period in college football history and let me explain what i mean by that because of nil like transfer portal existed before obviously and people transferred but because of nil in essence you could almost buy players in free agency and i think we're gonna see that imagine if miami you know some car dealership is like hey we'll give you a five hundred thousand dollar scholarship to transfer and I'm not saying that's why he would, but I'm saying that's probably going to happen to some big recruits to get him to transfer. And 
it's completely legal. And it probably happened before, but now it can be, you know, a little less shady. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, as far as DG transferring, how would you feel about that? Besides, obviously, you know, it stinks for UCF, you know, would you be kind of resentful toward him or how would you feel? Uh, it's not that I'd be resentful for him. I mean, I'd probably feel the same way I felt about Milton. Like, well, I a, want whatever's best for – I know it's different, but I want whatever's best for, you know, the student-athlete, not, you know – if him going to Miami, if that's what he thinks is going to make him, you know, better NFL prospect, then so be it. But we can think about, you know, his history here at UCF, and now you have, like, the whole – picture of like start to finish and even as a freshman like oh well he's gonna do this and he's gonna do that and then now you look and see like what he actually accomplished still has a lot left to uh to pursue here i think if he left now it'd kind of be like you know a very short ending and not on the uh, Mount Rushmore of, of ucf quarterbacks in my opinion it stinks i mean if you remember back to our interview with him in July, we asked him what his favorite game was, and he said, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but it was something as to, like, you know, I don't have one yet. It's going to be the conference championship or something like that when we win it. Uh, there would be some unfinished business, but you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, we're kind of in a rebuilding phase, and if there's a, I would say, probably not a program with a new head coach because there's always uncertainty and the loss of recruits, but there's a solid blue blood program that's got a ton of pieces and they're really just missing a quarterback and he can come in and have the opportunity to, you know, lead the team to the playoff and stuff. I can't blame him at all because for his draft prospect, like you said, he's got to do what's best for him and his career. And if he transfers, unfortunately, that sucks for us, but can't blame him at all for, you know, you got to look out for yourself first and, uh, you know, we appreciate what he did here, but he probably won't transfer. So this is all uh, hypothetical. Uh, glad we're on the same page about that, though. Very rare agreeance. <laughs> all right. Some other things. You mentioned this earlier. I want to hit on it real quick. Dan Mullen fired at UF after going 34 and 15 in four seasons. He won two NY6 games in his first two seasons. Uh Obviously, a little bit of a letdown year this year, but he's been the best coach they've had since Urban, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, the standards at UF are extremely high, and I think that not only was it his you know, offseason this year, I think it was kind of his attitude towards everything. It just seemed like he didn't have the... And, you know, I watched some of his post-game conference stuff. It just seemed like his heart really wasn't in this school or this job. I agree. It's a very different, you know, thing when he was at Mississippi State where he kind of built up, you know, he helped. They had some amazing seasons for Mississippi State standards. Yeah, and then Dak Prescott. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, UF – Besides last year with Trask, they've been kind of down the last like 
I would say five to seven years. Well, his first two years, they won MY6 games, which I know is not really a thing to brag about when you're UF, but I don't know. I, yeah, they have been. Whole thing's weird. I mean, here's two other things, too. They almost beat Bama this year, even though no, they were kind of getting blown out, but then they came back. But still, they almost beat Bama. But even bigger than that is they really actually almost beat Bama in last year's SEC championship game. The eventual national champion who, I mean, they were steamrolling everyone in the playoff. And Florida went, you know, blow to blow with them. So it's just crazy. But you're right. It's more than just on the field. I know he's kind of been lacking in recruiting. And if you want to compete with Alabama and Georgia, you got to compete with them in recruiting. You're not going to have a chance on the field. And it seems like it's kind of been going that way. And you know, you're right too about his attitude and the pressers. I feel like he was always just kind of making excuses and stuff and he just didn't seem committed. I, I don't know. Gus, and obviously it's his first year, but like you can tell Gus really cares and wants to be here. And I didn't sniff an ounce of that from Dan Mullen, even over the last two seasons. So I get what you're saying there. Uh, pretty crazy. A lot of huge job openings in college football, LSU, USC, uh, Florida, so gonna, Miami, Miami, gonna be a uh, interesting, interesting off season. Uh, couple I other... know there's gonna be a lot of money, a well, lot of money. Well, did you? I see... mean, the buyout for Mullen was twelve million. Well, dude, did you see Mel Tucker, the Michigan State head coach, just got a ten-year, ninety-three million dollar contract? Did Did he win a <laughs> national title? No, he's had one. <laughs> I mean, his first one year... good Michigan State has sucked the last couple of years. Well, he took over their coach uh unexpectedly like quit during COVID, like March. It was uh it was actually kinda like UCF losing hypo randomly, like after the coaching carousel was over. He stepped in, had an all right first year. Clearly, you know, he's turned them around because they have not been good in a while. So two of their boosters, billionaires, both funded this, like privately, which is it's insane. The money in college football is just... That's crazy. Well, insane. you know, we're going to get there because most of our alumni fan base is like, you know, around our age or maybe a little older. So we're like just now hitting like yeah, our stride in our careers. And just wait. And I mean, the, the money is going to start rolling in. The donations are going to start getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I feel like at least a couple times a week, there's an announcement with new shareholders. Well... In 10 years, those people becoming shareholders are going to be, you know, a lot of them are going to be super, super successful, you know. You're right. We're, we're going to have a lot of money to uh, fire coaches with. No. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, as, you know, as a, as a young alumni base, we're just going to keep getting better and better and be able to kind of keep up with uh, the big money, the old money of these blue blood schools. A uh, couple other things. Conference championship, the AAC conference championship is pretty much set. Houston beat Memphis, uh, and they also finally cracked the top 25 in the playoff rankings last week at number 24. Um, the new rankings aren't out yet. And then since he beat down SMU 48-14, to 14, they moved down to number four in the poll. Um, but the conference championship game set, and with Michigan State losing – well, more importantly, with Oregon losing, it looks like Cincy kind of controls their own destiny to the playoff because 
or if Michigan, who's number six now, beats number two Ohio State, I don't know how much they drop Ohio State, but no two lost teams ever made the playoff. So I'm assuming that Ohio State will beat Michigan. And then the only other team that's really close to Cincy is Notre Dame. Imagine if yeah, no- you never know. Imagine-, Imagine if Notre Dame got in over Cincy. There's no way. I mean, never say never, but imagine the backlash if they put in a one-loss Notre Dame over an undefeated Cincinnati. There's just no way. I'm just as I say this out loud, I'm hearing how stupid it is. But they're going to be close. Notre Dame is going to be number five. How about this? What if since he loses a barn burner conference championship to Houston and they look really good, now they've got one loss. Notre Dame is right behind them with one loss. I could see them hopping Cincinnati, which they've done. Oh, dude, if Cincinnati has one loss, that's it. They're out. But. Not even close. Not even like a half of 1% chance. But they beat Notre Dame. That's their only good win. They beat SMU. Okay, they did do, They did help themselves they by really did. crushing SMU, they which should, is great. They should have did that to Navy and Tulane and all the other crappy teams, though. And we wouldn't really have, be having this conversation. It's like as soon as they got in the spotlight, they, ha- they threw out three duds of games and everyone was starting to doubt them. But I don't yeah. know. We'll see what happens. Uh, right now, Ohio State looks unbeatable. Yeah, they looked they really monster game versus Michigan State. They'll try it again. Another nooner, Michigan, this week. And uh, I don't know. We'll see, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to – I'm could sit here and predict it, but I still think that – I don't think since he's going to make it. I've said that since the beginning. Yeah. Uh, they got to beat Houston. I I don't know. I don't know what to root for. Chaos? Houston's hitting their stride, too. Well, now it's going to be a rival, so I don't know if I want them to be good, but like it would be cool to see them in the playoff. But then if they get whooped, then it kind of ruins our argument from 17, people will say, even though that's stupid, completely unrelated. I don't know. The one loss Notre Dame versus Cincy will be a very fun argument to hear because it's the same thing with Michigan, Michigan State, when – you know, one they each had one loss, and Michigan State won the head-to-head, but was ranked lower, which pissed me off. But anyway, we'll see what happens. All right, now to the most important game of our season at this point. It's USF Hate Week. The Black Friday game is set. Three thirty kickoff. Spread eighteen and a half. US- Way too much. USF, who had looked kind of decent, they were scoring points, just got absolutely steamrolled by 1-9 Tulane, who, mind you, we barely beat. 45-14. Tulane had not scored more than 30 points in a game since Week 2 versus FCS Morgan State. On top of that, Tulane had only scored three total touchdowns in their previous three games. Total. Three games, three total touchdowns. They scored four touchdowns in the first quarter against USF. They got absolutely waxed. So it's so bad that they fired their defensive coordinator. Yeah, they fooled me. I mean, it was a money move pick last week. USF over Tulane. That's what you get. Uh, I was hurting the first quarter, but (laughs) 18 and a half points is a lot. You know, I had this as about a 12 and a half point edge for UCF. 
technically this would qualify as a money move best bet on USF Ooh. being a six point six point difference in the power Dude. ranks and what the actual line is. Hand it out. Look what happened last week when you picked USF. Just saying. Look, the only the only teams that we've covered that number, eighteen and a half this year, are UConn, Bethune Cookman, and Temple that can't score more than 14 points so <laughs> uh, i'm just saying if if dylan was in there i'd say we win by 35 nothing against mikey but it just seems as though it's everything that i said that it was last week it's still a rivalry game i feel a decent bit better than it is at home the game is almost sold out i'm pretty sure yeah um, I, I looked on resale uh I gave two of my tickets to someone thinking because a while ago they were like 15 bucks for the cheapest get in. The cheapest get in right now is 50 bucks and it's going to be an electric atmosphere. Need everyone there being loud. Home field is going to be huge. That might be the difference in this game. You know, last year, I mean, they hung with us. The score is a little bit closer in the game, but you know, they, they were kind of back and forth. Uh, 58, 46, Whopping 104 points. Uh, the over-under this year is 61. you have any thoughts on that? The score's been over 70 in three out of the last five. That's including the 104 last year. Over. Over it this is. This is going to be another – I think it's going to be another barn burner. Look, their offense can score. I don't know why they couldn't last week, but – Yeah. I've seen at least a piece of every one of their games, and – they do have some talent. They just, I don't know, <laughs> perpetually UCF or USF it up. Yeah, but dude, mobile quarterback, he's very mobile. I know that's going to give us issues. Always does. We'll see. It's going to be that stupid little Brian Batie guy. No, but two kickoff returns for a touchdown. Like oh. we haven't given we haven't given one of those up this year yet. Oh no! Don't say that, move. <laughs> Might as well directional kick. Well, out of bounds. Might as well kick it out of bounds. <laughs> it's <Hey>. better. <laughs> out of bounds. Barsky might not be a bad move. No, we're kidding. Uh, Wait, I don't speaking know. of that, has he kicked it out of bounds this year? I don't recall. Mm. I really don't think he has. I, After last year, I swear it happened at least once a game, sometimes twice a game. Out of bounds on the kickoff. There, I really don't think it's happened this year. No, I don't think it has. There was so kudos one, to you. There was one where a guy, he made like a nice sideline grab, but it was like clearly going out at the three or four, and then he returned it. But I think besides that, he hasn't. I don't know. Uh, special teams obviously hasn't been our forte this year, but hopefully we can hopefully we can contain this guy. Um, did you see the uniform reveal? I did. I really like them. All black. Dude, they were saying all year we like, you know, supply chain, which I feel like is just an excuse for literally everything, um, which is kind of funny because you can't really argue with it. Like, oh, no, su- supply chain. But we got black helmets. The new logo looking mean. Little slight update of the uh, the nitro head. What What are your thoughts on that? The new logo? I like it. It's a little more refined. Um we haven't changed the night logo in a decent bit. I think 07, 08 was the last time. Or maybe they, they switched from the one night head to like 
or from the knight with showing the sword to oh. just the knight head. That's the batter I up. I think in 2012, yeah, the batter up one. <laughs> 2012-ish, I would say, so. Yeah, I, he looks, he just looks like kind of swaggy, cocky, confident, which is a weird thing to say about a logo, but if you look at the logo, you, you'll actually probably agree with me. Uh, just a little edgy, I think it may be the best word to describe it. I like it. Nice little refreshing update, and what a better time to unveil it in the all-black. It's going to look awesome at night, man. I can't wait. Once the sun goes down, the all-black, the new gold logo on the black helmets, all the lights in the stands, the bounce house going absolutely crazy. So speaking of USF Hate Week, we're bringing back the Fab Five. That's right. We're going to do our Fab Five USF Hate Week moments. So really anything to do with hating USF or making fun of USF, really no rules here. We're just going to reminisce. Um, Moo, kick it off. All right, first up on the Fab Five, I'm going to take it for a bit of a throwback. We're going back to 2007, poking Matt Grothy. I don't know if most of our listeners, how old or young they are, but there might be some younger ones who don't really remember what poking is on Facebook. I don't know if this is still a thing or oh not. Oh, my God. Dude, when you first <laughs> said this, I was like, was he up against a fence and we were like poking him? <laughs> oh, my God. You don't remember this? No, I remember it clearly now. I just didn't know what you were saying at first. I thought you meant physically. So there was something on facebook where you could like poke someone and all it was was you click this little button and it would send like a notification to the person that says you've been poked yeah by whoever they... you could poke anyone you didn't have to be their friend so like all of night nation just started poking matt growthy well there's a thing that like uh i guess the the tradition was to like poke the opposing team's quarterback and I guess Matt Grothy said that he had been poked like one or two times by other opposing fans, but he had been poked a quote six million times by <laughs> UCF fans that week. Um, well, so that was 2007, right before uh, the USF game, which besides 2017 game, that has to have been the most attended game or highest attendance uh of the season i remember of the series me and you and pav we sat in like the the 400 levels at raymond james i'm pretty sure yeah we were in the nosebleeds and it was packed i, s- I still have that ticket we lost 64 to 12 dude that's a great one that honestly that hadn't crossed my mind in like probably 10 years like i it's one of those things where if someone never brought it up i completely would have forgotten it happened that is hilarious great first pick all right, my first pick, um, I'm going to go with the bull speed ahead hashtag that USF Athletics was putting out there, I think from like 2018 to 2019. I remember I'd seen it on Facebook, but it like didn't click in my head until we were at the basketball game. Uh, and I realized that obviously it's supposed to be bulls speed ahead. But they had it in all caps, and I looked at it. I'm like, dude, that's Bulls peed ahead. 
And the fact that this <laughs> got past their like quality control or whatever you do in marketing, I can't believe <laughs> I just can't believe it. And they had it plastered everywhere. Um so that is uh that's one of my favorite just overall USF blunders, which is was kind of like a um a representation of the state of their athletics at that point, going through everything with Charlie Strong and whatnot. Uh, so that's my first pick. All right. The next pick for me has to be the USF walk and talk with Kaylee Cottrell, which is an interview show where a USF student, I presume, sports reporter, uh, walks with one of the USF football players and has an interview eerily similar to the strolling with Sammy. Um, almost the exact same format without the almost because it is the exact same <laughs> format. Um, so kind of weird that they completely ripped off something that we do very well. Um, except it had less production value. And the poor girl, like, it's not really her fault. Not at but all. But she had to have seen, or maybe she didn't, and they, like, set her up. But <laughs> they had to have seen, or she had to have seen the strolling with Sammy and known, like, dude, this is a complete ripoff of what we do. Like, they can come up with absolutely nothing original. And they just want to be us so bad that this was like the icing on the cake. And it's funny because like, we don't even have to come up with this stuff. They write it themselves. They really do. <laughs> Bull speed ahead. Like, it's, <laughs> it's so funny. I know. I know. And you know, the funny thing too, is we didn't like invent the one-on-one -on -one interview, but at least from what I've seen, I follow a ton of, you know, college football stuff. We did the walking thing and it was like a three year thing. It wasn't just like we did it like one off or, for, for one season, all they had to do was, I can't remember her name, but just like, I don't know, sit down at a cafeteria or do it in a car ride or literally anything else. Do it at Arby's. Like, just make something different and do an interview because everyone does interviews, you know? But the walking part is what made it just so identical. I mean, exactly identical. Um, so speaking of things that USF has ripped off, my number two pick is going to be when they released a new academic logo and it was an identical copy of the Merrill Lynch bowl logo. And I mean, when I mean identical, it was literally identical. And then everyone called them out on Twitter and they spent $10,000 to have it reworked by their graphic designers. And all they did was like lift a leg and hinge it a little bit or something like that. <laughs> for 10 grand <laughs> it was something i could have did myself and I, i'm not even good with photoshop um like you said man the jokes just write themselves so the uh the merrill lynch logo is my number two pick all right this next one is kind of like a follow-up one to my first one but anyway this was 2008 season somehow some way matt grothy who's still the quarterback of USF, uh, had his phone number released on Twitter. And all the UCF fans were like texting, calling, uh, sending messages like, 
relentlessly, basically making his phone completely useless for that week <laughs> until he had to change his number. <laughs> Dang, he beat, he beat us twice, but we sure did bully him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that 2008 game. So 2008, we ended up finishing four and eight. weren't very good. Uh, but we took them, you know, we took them to overtime and it was, you know, football's a game of inches. Michael Greco scrambling on a fourth and five. I think he got that. up two inches short. And, um, uh, yeah, it was terrible. Did they even I remember have instant replay then? I remember, I still think he got it. Uh, but... The video board was not good back then. Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, that thing was like a, it was like a Nokia cell phone. <laughs> you couldn't see anything yeah. on it. One other funny memory of that game was uh, I just remember it being like the flag game. Like you remember in the stands, they gave away those like black flags that said like Carl Black and Gold Chevy or something. Mm-hmm. And it had the, but it was like not a cool flag. It was like a giant wooden stick. Oh, the little like a cloth sticky, flag. Sticky things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but uh, I'm still pissed we didn't win that game. You know, our first ever rivalry game in the bounce house, and USF was—I think they were ranked. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, they were number 17. I mean, they were legit. They were coming off, yeah, obviously the number two season that ended up being a letdown, but they were a good team. We just came off a conference championship, but we lost. You know, Israel, we lost Kevin Smith, who like, put the team on our back the year before. Like you said, we ended up 4-8, and eight and we took them to overtime, which just goes to show you anything can happen in a rivalry game. And I think home field advantage played a huge part in us being able to hang with them, uh, which, you know, like I said, is why I think that's so important for us this year. Although if the game was at USF, we would definitely have more fans than them, so... Yeah, another funny memory of that game, which I don't know if you remember or not, but we were like walking around Memory Mall in the tailgate, and somebody had this like giant ice bin, like a ice tub. Oh yeah. Um, I you know they're like set. I don't you know, like they sell them at the concession stands and stuff, and you you decided to jump in it shirtless. I, there's a picture. There's <laughs> for whatever reason. There is there's a picture of that somewhere on. I think it was my profile photo because, well, one I was in college and didn't care, but back then, Facebook was like only kids and stuff. And yeah, that was my profile picture for a long time. I had the uh, I think I had the Von zippers on and like a a uh, like a bandana around my head or something stupid. Uh, mm-hmm. Good times, good times. All right. <laughs> so my number three pick. I got to go to the obvious one here. I can't believe you didn't pick this, but the Mike Hughes kick six slash Bitchell Wilcox fumble. I mean, you got to mention it. It was one of the best college football games of all time. Maybe the best UCF game in terms of excitement, the back and forth. It was fun too, because we were always kind of ahead. So them tying the game, you know, they were down eight. They score and then they have that crazy two-point conversion play um, where Quentin Flowers runs, like scrambles all the way right and just throws it. It had to have been like 35 yards, even though it was just a two-point conversion, all the way diagonal across to the back corner of the end zone to a wide-open guy. 
And then the game's tied all of a sudden, and, you know, we had never been down in that game, and I was like, oh, crap, this could happen. Uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, that play where Shaquan Burkett got dragged into the end zone by the USF wide receiver, I was like, if they beat us, that's going to be a meme forever that we're going to have to deal with on social media. Obviously, there's a ton of other consequences, but that was just, you know, one thing. We're not going to get the conference championship, no Peach Bowl. Then Mike Hughes takes the kickback, and the rest is history. And just, you know, icing on the cake, Richie Grant forcing the fumble on Mitchell Wilcox uh, to seal the game. Great game. Mackenzie Milton, Adam Amin, so many great memories, and it's going to be a part of UCF history for forever. Just thankful, you know, we were there to, to witness it. Here, I got another one. Uh, 2013 game. Is this your fourth where, pick? I don't know. I lost count. Yeah. All right. This <laughs> but, your fourth uh, pick. The 2013 game, Blake Bortles to Rashad Perryman for the game-winning touchdown um, in the Fiesta Bowl year. A couple of pretty famous USF people, uh, USF players on that team, Jets legend Mike White. <laughs> Uh, you throwing stole... the game game ending interception to Jordan Ozerites. Dude, you stole my next pick. Great one though. And uh I was pretty bad. I do remember the fans being extra nasty that year because we were pretty cocky for once. Like we hadn't beaten them, right? That... We hadn't beaten them yet. That was the first year we ever beat them. Uh I think we might have beat them the year before No. No, that was the first no. time. Yeah, man. And we had so much so, at stake and they were they had two wins. Again, rivalry game. You never know. So of course, yeah, that was when I was younger, I was a lot more cocky of football games, I guess. <laughs> and I don't know, I was getting into it with with a couple of different fans and I just remember them being like extra nasty. I mean, they're always nasty, but Yeah, no, definitely. Um yeah, Jordan Ozerites with the pick to seal the game with 120 left uh, with Mike White. That and he was driving. I think he was on like the 38 yard line at that point, and yeah, that sealed the game. All right, my next USF Hate Week Fab Five moment. Another one I can't believe you didn't pick. The typos in the Big 12 presentation. Sticking with the theme of the jokes just write themselves. USF has an opportunity, I mean, you know, besides the Big East thing, this was an opportunity to get back in a power conference and really set themselves up for success. This was huge at the time when we had kind of been, you know, the Big East fell fell apart, turned into the American, whatever. This was a chance at redemption. This is the most important thing in school history at this point. And they didn't just have one typo. They had like six, and one was in the header of like the first page of their presentation of the Big 12. Did no one proofread it? I, I don't know. Whoever was in charge of proofreading that probably came up with the Bulls P to head thing. But again, quality control at USF, non-existent because just one stupid mistake after another. Needless to say, it didn't matter. They decided not to expand, but people still wonder if there were no typos. Would we all be in the Big 12? Probably not, but still absolutely hilarious that you could publish something that important and mess it up that bad. They spelled research wrong. How do you 
isn't there the little the little red you know curly line that tells you you have a typo i mean come on i don't know maybe they didn't have microsoft word maybe they had like dos microsoft turd (laughs) microsoft turd (laughs) it's a it's a bull turd bulls bulls turd ahead All right, my last one. I think this is one of the best ones, but I do remember an article a while back uh, talking about USF hitting rock bottom for football. So I decided to Google, you know, to try and Google that to try and figure out when that actually was. And you could do this too, by the way, at home. Uh, if you Google USF rock bottom, there's three different like time periods. <laughs> <laughs> where an article has been written about usf hitting rock bottom <laughs> what are the t- what are the time like, periods like oh nine no 2013 what does rock bottom really look like we all toss that phase around a lot after every game usf plays but maybe we need to clearly define what rock bottom really could look like <laughs> um last year 2020 have we hit rock bottom, the Bulls pen? Uh, again, USF had better pray that 2020 was rock bottom for its football program. Dude, I'm, I just Googled just to see if there's UCF rock bottom. I figured an 0-12 article would pop up. The first two articles are USF articles that you just mentioned. <laughs> there's nothing about UCF. Then there's another one. After rebounding from rock bottom, Taggart and USF on the rise. Oh, <laughs> oh that ended well. Little do they know. <laughs> Little do they know. Oh, man. So I, I just love going back and like reading articles yep. about you know, just predictions of – I mean, it could be funny if I kept like all of my – everything that I wrote for all of my picks like back when I <laughs> thought I knew everything. Hey, I mean – I don't know. That's hilarious. But yeah, I mean, the internet, it's never going away. We'll be able to Google this stuff in like 50. Whoa, that's weird. Being able to Google like blog articles and stuff and they're 50 years old and it's not like a PDF of the New York Times or something. Uh, Anyway, okay. Last pick. Hmm. I'm going to go with the, the bus video with Willie Taggart. You remember what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. So I actually, on the bus. <laughs> it's almost a shame to play it without seeing the video of like, cause they took pictures of their heads and they were just like rotating, like, I don't know, clockwise to counterclockwise, like dancing along, but I'll play, I'll play a little bit of the video here. Proven that we can get there. You know, we, what we have to do now is put everybody on the bus, <laughs> put them in the right seat. And let Coach T drive this bus. Yeah. Oh, John Gruden. <laughs> Oh man, that Actually, was terrible. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, all right, so that's it. That was our Fab Five USF Hate Week moments. That was a lot of fun. Did you have any honorable mentions? Because actually, one just popped in my head that I should have said, but no, that's all I got. 
Dude, so when we won the first Fiesta Bowl, USF won the mascot national championship and we're bragging about it like excessively on social media and everything and no one took them even their own fans are mad they're like what are you guys doing <laughs> like somehow they could distract everyone from the fact that we just pulled off the biggest upset in BCS history beating Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl by their stupid national championship mascot thing which I don't even know what that means but anyway all right that was our fab five moving on Real quick, let's do a little basketball update. Moo, take it away. Since last show, the UCF Knights took on Jacksonville uh, last Tuesday. You know, I talked about uh, us really not being able to close out games and kind of a trend from last year from Dawkins. Well, you must be listening to the podcast because it <laughs> couldn't be further from the truth. Jacksonville actually took the lead on us, even though we we're 18 point favorites with three and a half minutes to go. UCF ended the game on a 12 0 run to beat the Dolphins, which is an incredible win, even though it never should have been that close. Uh, but I like the fight with this team. Second game was actually a little nice little pregame to the UConn football game. We played Evansville. Now, we were only minus seven and a half. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MoneyMooUCF. And I did give you turn a on, free winner. And turn on notifications because I have yours turned on. And I don't know. I was out and about. And I got the notification immediately sent $500 on UCF because the MoneyMoo uh, lock alert. And it cashed in easy. So thank you for that. But like I said, be sure to follow them and turn on the notifications because you just made me a bunch of money. Free. So yeah, UCF minus seven and a half. Uh, first really road game outside of Florida, so that was nice to see them win. Evansville kind of made it close near the end, but I liked it. Knights and Dawkins kept their foot on the gas pedal. We ended up winning by sixteen points, yep. seventy-five fifty-nine. I love it, love it, love it. Dawkins, man. Two Listening to the show, out. finally keeping his freaking foot on the pedal. Two really strong closes. There's only one explanation, like you said. He's listening. So thanks, Coach Dawkins. And uh, thank you again, Money Moo. Also, the women's team. Got to pay attention to them. 3-1 and one now, and their only loss was to number 15, Tennessee, in a 49-41 hard-fought game. Is that an Emily? Yeah, can you hear that? Yeah, dude. Oh. Yo, featured guest, Emily Mua. <laughs> uh, was that She's like singing your... her praise? Singing her praise for talking. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh... <laughs> so th- we don't have any games during the week, right? Our next game. Is no, o- next game is going to be Oklahoma on Saturday, two o'clock, ESPN Plus. All right, and. Also, the women, they play Thursday night versus USC at home and Friday night versus Idaho State also at home. So, loving that we're getting in the thick of basketball season. Teams are combined 7-1, and one, so definitely be sure to follow them. And if you're in Orlando, go support them. Be loud, you know. These guys, you know, we've got two really, really good teams. All right, next up, it's time for our favorite segment, Money moves, picks of the week. Last week, I tried to get above 500 with giving you guys some volume. 
so close, but didn't really work out. Picks are two and three last week. Winners were Virginia, which that was a slam dunk winner. If you paid attention to the injury report, like I said, I said to put the put your money up if Brennan Armstrong uh, started, and he did. Took down Pitt, and then way past when you went that when you went to bed, Hawaii covered against Colorado State. The losers were Texas. They were kind of in the game for a little bit. Uh, USF never in the game. And probably the worst beat, one of the worst beats of the year. Wait. Uh, the under for Temple Tulsa. Oh, yeah. It, 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 was, it was on pace for under the whole time. Tulsa scored a diddly meaningless touchdown there at the end. Put the total at 54 to lose by two points. Oof. So two hey. and three last week. Hey, you know, the reasoning was good. Some, you know, that's what gambling, you, you can never, nothing's ever absolute. And sometimes you might have made the smart pick and it, it didn't win, but whatever. So what do we got this week? My first losing season in four years, 11, 16, and one. So I might have to just go like ape wild on the bowl <laughs> games to try and get back to 500. But Just do, um, you got to just convert to units and make your bowl game pick eight units or or yeah just pick every bowl game there's a lot of value to be had i every- did pick every bowl game the first year i remember that so maybe we'll do maybe we'll do it again i don't know oh we're gonna do a bowl um, we'll do a bowl pick them don't we do that every year or something? oh yeah okay all right we're, something. We're, we're doing a bowl pick them moo you're in charge of that all right <laughs> this week this week we only got one pick I'm going to take Memphis minus six against Tulane. Look, Memphis with Seth Hennigan, too good, man. Uh, I don't know how we got past him, but anyway, Tulane sucks, especially on the road. Memphis at home, a completely different team. Take Memphis minus six. Probably going to end up winning by 14 to 17 points. Yeah, I feel like Tulane just used everything. Like They pulled out all the stops last week uh, against USF to get – you know, their first real win of the season besides Morgan State or whatever. So I like the pick. Memphis is a very tough environment to play in. Stadium gets super loud even when it's not that full. So I like the pick. Let's Let's get get that that money. Okay, last up, we've got Moo's Mailbag where we answer all of your questions. Thank you guys always for submitting and please... Uh, and please subscribe, rate, and review. First questions from MD Night 2016. What has a better chance of happening, USF ever getting a good alternate uniform and not those god-awful slime things, or Ronald McDonald De La Haye apologizing for, to UCF? <laughs> I love that nickname. Well, absolutely never going to happen is De La Haye apologizing to UCF unless he has, like, Logan Paul and some other YouTube guy like <laughs> doing, filming it or something. I don't know. Um, USF, no. They're just everything they do is so trash unless they like get – dude, the worst part is if like they get a on-campus stadium and are actually sponsored by like waste management or something. <laughs> dude, I'm going to get some flack for this. I actually like their slime green stuff, but I don't know. I – I mean, it's not as nice as anything we do, but I think they're kind of cool. I don't know, whatever. But yeah, the only way the he ap- the only way he apologizes is if is if we have some 
famous YouTuber or something on our team, and then he does something in all caps like, oh, De La Haye returns or, you know, some stupid gimmick YouTube video. Yeah, it's not happening. So um, I guess neither would be my answer. All right, Moo, you're up. What do you got? Next question is from Dan Cundiff. Mar, I believe he's referring to Mark Anthony Richards. Is he a is he a potential big play guy for Friday and beyond? I think so. He's shown flashes of it. I mean, two games ago, he was by far our best running back. Um, he's a big bruising guy, and you know, I like what he's done. Like I mentioned earlier, that touchdown run was awesome. He went he went beast mode. So I I think so. What do you think, Moo? Yeah, absolutely. We touched on it a bunch. Um, There's going to be a lot of different people playing in this game. I don't think we're going to key in on, you know, one guy for the offense. I think everyone's going to eat. Everyone's going to get be able to score. So I think Mark Anthony Richards could be uh, a decent part of the mix. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, if you look at last game, we had, I mean, besides Richardson, who had two touchdowns, we had... Six different guys score. Richardson had two. So I agree. We got to spread it out and uh, keep the foot on the gas pedal. All right. Last question from 88 Tyler B. I love that USF is the fourth farthest south of the seven Florida FBS teams. What? Thank you, Tyler. Not really a question, but definitely a good observation. My mind, <laughs> the fourth Oh, I well, you got my okay. you got Miami, you got FIU, and you got FAU. Yeah, huh. that are for all further south than USF. Oh, he was. I posted a map thing with the question tweet, so he was making an observation on that, which makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there are I think what have we got like two dozen universities that are farther south than the university of south florida so. yeah but we were the furthest south public university when we were founded so they called us south florida again i feel like <laughs> that's like the og quality control issue for usf like right from the get-go they just set the precedent by naming themselves something incorrect and everyone not thinking it was an issue and as we talked about in the fab five that's just been a trend ever since Let's be real. All right, Moo, let's wrap this up. You got any good little nuggets? No, that's basically it. Uh, I would say if you don't have a soul, then you can lay the money on USF plus 18 and a half, but I don't think I ever will. Um, it's a zero Double check, you never know. You never know. There could be an opportunity for live betting. If you Live betting, if you're on Hard Rock Sports app, if we – end up getting off to a slow start uh if we're down in the game i really think that the crowd is going to rally behind this team and we're going to end up winning crowd's going to rally behind us no matter what i agree all right last thing before we send you guys off uh moo you want to give us a score prediction yeah i'm gonna say 31:20. i got 45 10 is what I'm thinking. Obarski Ooh. hits a career-long field goal along with six UCF touchdowns. Maybe a pick six? I don't know. So, anyway, thank you guys for listening. Go Knights. Charge on.
Contamination. Contamination.